welcome to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. Today's chat is with Kyle Nicholl at Rascal in Brunswick. Some people dream of rooms lined with books and I do love that idea too, but for me being surrounded by bottles of wine just feels right. So sitting amongst the glowing bottles and talking to Kyle about his time in a Michelin star restaurant in London and his love of native ingredients was absolute bliss. I have been in Tarascal before to talk to Elliot Pinn, who was head chef at the time and remains a partner, but he's now handed over the reins to Kyle to embark on other adventures interstate. Rascal is in good hands. Kyle is thoughtful and creative, and I especially appreciated his parting gift of a jar of kimchi and a bottle of pawpaw and bottle brush vinegar, made under his other hat of poisoned and cures and used in the restaurant. I hope you enjoy this, this chat as much as I did. Okay, so, hi Kyle. How are you going? <laughs> Good, thank you. It's a bit of a hot day, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's toasty. It's yeah. muggy. It is muggy, yeah. yeah. So how long have you been open again since we came? Since so, the 2nd of November, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we had a real quick turnaround. So the announcements were on the Tuesday, and then we got open on the Wednesday. So yeah, wow. we're in here all night, sort of trying to get back straight in and... Yeah. We're all super keen to get back to work. Yeah, so, so you missed it while you were yeah. at home yeah, so doing much. things differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so Elliot was doing the brunt of the, the at-home stuff yep. and I was just sort of helping him out um, here and there where he needed me. So, yes, it's been a, a rough six months for I the know, whole industry. Yeah. I know, absolutely. And I just saw... Um, that the, those really great guys out of Omai and Beaconsfield that they only just opened and then well, they had a fire and they um, lost their old, it's an old heritage post office I think when they've been turned into a rest, restaurant. So you just think, you know, really you just think we've already had so much, how can it keep going? But yeah, yeah. yeah. but I'm happy for you guys that you're open. And you were a sous chef um, and now you've stepped up to head chef. Yeah, so I've been in head chef roles previously but um, this is my first head chef role in Melbourne okay, so yeah. I've been here from the open since it was a construction site and um, we sort of opened with a more full restaurant sort of vibe and re went really well and we worked worked our asses off yeah. and um, got some good results and now with COVID we sort of had to adjust and change the whole business. So yeah. it's more of a bottle shop and then eat-in, is that how you're running it now? Yeah, so the menu's still pretty pretty large and offers quite a bit, but we've introduced the bottle shop and it's doing really well and I think it makes it um, a bit more approachable as well, the venue, and yeah, yeah, a bit more aligned with Brunswick. Yeah. I love the idea of eating amongst bottles of wine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some people <laughs> might say they like to eat in the, in the forest or the beach. Me amongst bottles of yeah. wine is comforting. More of those, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's amazing. So now you're saying it's your first head chef job in Melbourne, and I saw that you originally are from New South Wales. Is that yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. So I grew up. Yeah, Coffs Harbour, just outside of Coffs Harbour. Okay, wow. Grew up on a farm. Yeah, so uh, my mum had a blueberry, garlic and citrus farm. So I grew up on a farm, pretty humble sort of upbringing. And I 
think that's what got me into food. Yeah. Being, being around food. Okay. And, so you didn't think you'd go on to be a farmer, it was more sort of the other end yeah. that was appealing for you? Yeah, definitely. That eating the food was more interesting <laughs> than growing it. Yeah. yeah. So what did you do once you decided you were going to be a chef? Did you do your apprenticeship in Sydney? No, I did it in around Coffs Harbour. Oh, yeah. So... Um, I never really woke up one day and thought I want to be a chef. I just sort of got a kitchen hand job and then started enjoying it, the energy of it, and then eventually fallen more and more in love with it over the years. Yeah. So now there's nothing else I can see myself doing. Yeah. Amazing. Over 10 years in now and I love it more than I ever have. So. That's amazing and that's yeah. what um, I like to hear because I think that it's it's obviously a job that requires a lot of energy, so you do really have to love it. And I, yeah, and sure. I also I have this um, this idea that because I read this book called like Water for Chocolate, and it was whenever the Spanish lady cooked, she put her emotions into the food, and I feel like you want to have someone who really loves what they're doing, oh, cooking the food, because yeah. otherwise yeah. it's miserable for everyone. That's all. That's all the difference. Yeah. That's, that's the most important thing, I think. Like, yeah. You gotta love what you're doing, or with any any career. Absolutely. Yeah. And you spent time in London. Yeah. So, pretty much straight out of my apprenticeship, I was 21. I moved over to London. Uh, Travelled around Europe a bit just to sort of check everything out, and then got back to London to live in London. Had an interview with Anthony Dimitri. And then I started a couple of days later, straight into a one-star restaurant wow. with a big name, and I just hit the ground running. Yeah, was, well, and what was that like? It must be. Oh, it's full on. Yeah. Yeah. So I went from um, sort of regional small town chef to like Michelin star, ninety hours a week, all of that sort of typical London yeah. stuff. But um, I got a lot, a lot out of that, and. When I look back on my time in London, it's sort of where I learnt how to cook my fundamentals. Yeah. I learnt with Anthony, yeah. And so, how long were you in that restaurant? Uh, two years. Two years. Yeah. And did you work your way up, or how does it work in those big kitchens? Yeah, so I came in as a CDP and worked my way up to sous chef, so... Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a full-on environment, massive kitchen. Um, Big names coming in all the time, celebrities and... So are you able to still hold on to that um, enjoyment and love of cooking when you're under so much pressure? Because I imagine being a sous chef in a place like that is quite different to being a sous chef here. Yeah, it's, um, there's a lot more pressure um, and stress, so um, I still enjoyed it a lot and loved what I was doing. I, I went there for a reason to learn some skills and sort of mix it up with um, some of the big names. So, yeah, I don't know. After a while, it's not, there's only so long you can do yeah. those 80 hour weeks and like, it, it runs you down. And, yeah. But uh, the industry is starting to change, which is a good thing. And people are starting to wake up and realize that you know, chefs need to be need to be mothers, fathers, partners, 
they need to have a life outside of the kitchen as well. So. Well, absolutely, and we talk about um, sustainability of the food that we're using, but it's also about the sustainability of the people cooking it, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And yeah. um, so tell me, so so then you came back here, is it? Or you came to Melbourne after that, or you went back to Coffs Harbour? Or? So I went back to Coffs for about a year just to reconnect with family and opened a couple of restaurants for for friends in Coffs the spare room which is like a successful little wine bar now and um, a cafe for a good friend of mine called Supply and that's also doing pretty well now okay and then uh, me and my partner sort of got a little bit bored of being back in a small town so we moved to Melbourne yeah and I started with Andrew at Andrew McConnell at Supernormal so I did a couple of years there and then moved over to Builders Arms for a year um, and learnt a lot of my sort of business and management skills through through that okay. company, the sort of the the, uh, the standard for that sort of uh, business operation side of things. So I learned a lot there and then decided it was time for something new and connected with Elliot and the other partners here and yeah. here I am. Cool. Yeah. And um, how did you get into uh, your love of native foods and incorporating those into your dishes? I think it's sort of stems back to growing up on a farm and um, having nature around and being inquisitive. Like, what is this? Is it edible? And yeah, sort of grew from there. But um, such a like massive amount of flavour that a lot of chefs are missing out on with native produce and um, the sustainability implications as well can be awesome but um, yeah I've got a big passion for working with native thing, native produce yeah. And how do you find those things because sometimes these things we, we went on an indigenous walk on the peninsula and the guide was telling us about um, like the bulbs that you can pull up, and they're a bit like potato that they use for their yeah, babies yeah. and so on. How, like you can't see that, so how do you? <laughs> I suppose you can see the flower on top. But how do you? So how do mm. you discover what's out there and what to do with it? Well, I think just well, I started just picking things and eating them mm. <laughs> if they taste good, yeah. like um, on a small scale. But um, I've done quite a bit of research into what is edible and. Um, I do quite a bit of foraging, not in the last couple of weeks as we've been pretty flat out with yeah. the reopen, but um, I do most of the foraging for all the native things on the menu. Yeah. Um, and are they coastal or are they... A bit of both. Or a bit of both. Like, I've got a big bottle brush tree in my backyard. Okay. So, at the moment... I, I pick some leaves off the, the tree in the backyard and I turn that into the eucalyptus oil which goes on goes on our pumpkin dish on the menu. Wow, okay. And then uh, salt bush you can find all along the coast. Yeah, it's so delicious um, salt bush too. Oh, yeah. I don't know why everyone's not using it. Yeah. But then it'll be overused, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, there's so many like weeds, common weeds that grow in your backyard that can be can be eaten if they're picked at the right time. Yeah, if right. you pick them when they're sort of young and green, they're, they're fresh and peppery and yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and what about the kombucha? What were you What were you using for that? Was there a kombucha you were making? I've uh, been making big? quite a bit of uh, vinegars. Yeah, so... Is there a red picture of you doing something something red in, on Instagram? Yeah, yeah. So I've got a little uh, side business I'm sort of working on starting out called Poison Cures. I've got some treats I'll give you later as well. <laughs> but, um, yeah, native vinegars. Um, so fermenting fruit. So the process is ferment the sugar in the fruit to alcohol and the alcohol into vinegar. Oh. Acetic acid. So uh, that red one was beetroot, gelatin wax, and some segretino. Mm. So like a red wine vinegar with some native flavors. Mm. Gelatin wax is like a very interesting native flavor. Yeah. So like lemongrass, cross pine, mm. little needles, but um, yeah, really delicious. And a lot of those things too have, um, are so nutritious too, aren't they? Yeah, um, yeah. Full of fibre, vitamins, yeah. Yeah, thinking how interesting it is that um, many of us, you seem to be more in touch than um, many of the, the rest of us, have, you know, lots of lost touch with what's right for our bodies and what's grown. As you said, sustainability, you know, even the grasses that we could be using for, for bread and so on instead of what we currently do, and so it's kind of really incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it's, I think as chefs we need to try and be a bit more conscious of it and even myself I want to be better and better with it every day like using native things that have less impact on the environment and small farms and local farms so we're using our north side veg which is a local uh, distributor and most of their produce comes within 100 k's so trying to get more and more conscious of that we're get, getting rid of all the plastic out of the kitchen okay, and yep. trying to do what we can and move closer to that sort of more sustainable model yeah absolutely and what about the seafood do you have fish on your menu as well is that something you um every now and then we've got crab oysters um and a taramar which is a whipped cod roe mm. so we salt the eggs and make the taramar here. Um, Oysters, they're all Appalachian oysters, so they're very strictly monitored. Sydney Rock oysters, native oysters. And our crab we're currently getting from Shark Bay in WA, which is a really nice product. Yeah, nice. Delicious. How do you decide on your menu? Um, I sort of just cook food that (laughs) I want to eat. Yeah. And... If, it, if it's good, we put it on. Like we don't, Here at Rascal, we've never tried to put ourselves in a box. We try to just um, see what works and just go with it, yeah. Mm. Like, we put a lot of thought into the dishes to make sure they're delicious and we're using quality ingredients, but we never said, oh, we have to be somewhat French or Italian or... Yeah. We've never... Tr- put ourselves in a box at all yeah yeah do you think modern australian is an actual term like do you think that's actually a thing or is it just because we don't know what else well yeah it is because I, I suppose it means a mix of what australia is a mix of so many cultures so Brilliant. yeah i think yeah it's a term that's used 
I don't know. Not, it doesn't sound very, very nice, well, but it, it is what cover, it is. Yeah. yeah, and it's sort of a, and it does show that it's an evolving cuisine. I guess that that we do have our own styles that are you know possibly influenced by other countries and cuisines. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, there's modern British, modern, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a thing, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I had just thought of that. I only, I only ever thought of that just right then. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's New Zealand music. That's good. Good choice. Um, yeah, Elliot's got some. <laughs> got some of his good Kiwi tunes always on out here. Oh, we're from the same town, Elliot. Yeah, yeah. You told you. me that. It's funny. Yeah. Um. So, what would your advice be to chefs who are thinking about getting into it now? Maybe with. Covid aside, but um, yeah, getting into the industry. Um, I think um, the most important thing is um, wanting to really being set on wanting to be a chef. Like having the passion there is the most important thing. If it's just the job that you come into, you do your job and you go home, it's probably not the best career for you. But um, the more work you put in outside of work is what develops you and grows you into a better chef. If the, the, it's like any industry, the more work you put in outside of your normal work hours, the, the more you're going to develop. And the, yeah, I'm not saying you need to do a million hours, but if you have a keen interest in it, then go for it. Yeah. Do you have a lot of recipe books or cookbooks or is it internet? Yeah. Is it a mixture of everything going out to other people's restaurants to... Um, Probably don't have time for that. I eat out, well yeah exactly, not lately. Yeah. But um, yeah, I've got a few few favourites around Melbourne that I love to go back to. Um, the Carlton Wine Room is probably my favourite restaurant yeah. in Melbourne. Nice. It's awesome, JP's food and it's super simple but like on point always. Yeah. Um, and I sort of take a lot of inspiration just from produce that's around and sort of starts from there, from vegetables, and then build from there. I've got, I would like to write a recipe book one day. I've got bloody little recipe books all around the place, like a diary of a madman. <laughs> but um, yeah. One day, one day. Cool, just put them all together. I think that'd be just a style. Just have yeah. it as a diary of a memory. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks, Kyle. I think that's um, lovely and great. Yeah. You've been listening to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Joe Ritty, and thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to read the full transcript of the conversation, you can go to www.conversationwithachef.com or follow me on Instagram so you'll always be up to date with the latest conversation.